up, everybody? Welcome back to the Boiler Over Rayfield Davis Show, brought to you by the Field of 68 Podcast Network. Today, I'm extremely excited. Um, I perked up a little bit. Talked to one of my all-time favorite players, one of someone I tried to fit the mold of when I came to Purdue, someone that grew up necessarily not in the same city, but in the same area. So we looked to when he went up to Purdue and we followed his career. Um, everybody, Chris Kramer. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, Ray. Appreciate you having me on here, man. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Chris, I always start off with my favorite memory of each person. And my memory of you, uh, I don't know, I'm going to take you back. I don't know what year it was. It probably is, I'm going to guess, 2010 or 2009. It's at Mackey. You guys are playing against Michigan. Manny Harris gets you with the elbow. You go to the tunnel. You come back out, and I'm a kid. I'm a, I'm a little kid. I'm like in high school. And Mackey erupts. To this day, I've never heard Mackey get that loud. So kind of take me back to moments like that in Mackey Arena where you get your nose busted, you go out, but when the fans see you come back in, I mean, you don't have to score a point the rest of the game. I mean, it was that big of a moment. Talk about that. You know, that play, um, you know, I think, Personally, like I was in Manny Harris's head a little bit, you know, and um, just made the game really hard for him. And he took out some frustration, you know, swung the elbows high. And everybody thought I flopped. Everybody thought I fell down, nothing happened. You know, I come up, my nose is busting, I'm bleeding. <laughs> and Jeff Stein, our trainer at the time, was like, all right, let's go. We're going to go back to the training room. All right, cool. I was like, is my nose is my nose broken? And he's like, oh yeah, it's broken. <laughs> so I get in there, I look at the mirror, and I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, man. Like, you know, I was like, can I play? And he goes, Well, you don't have a mask. I was like, Well, do you have any masks? So we're sitting there trying to get, you know, they put the little uh, tampons in your nose to make it stop bleeding. And Coach Ray comes in the training room. Like, Chris, you good? Like Coach Payne said, like, come on, bro. I just got in. I just got back here a minute ago. Like, can I, you know, give me some time? So I was like, all right, I'm coming. I'm coming. So I was like, Jeff, you know, I need a face mask. And if that's what I have to do to play, I need a face mask. Right. And he's like, all right, we got two. And, you know, when, when you break your nose, you want it so it doesn't like put the pressure on the spot that's broken. Right. And both of them didn't fit in my face, obviously. So I was like, you know what? This has to work. So threw the mask on, went out there, and bro, like you said, I've never heard anything like it before. The place just erupted. And, you know, I go, I sit down on the bench, and Coach Payne's like, let's go. <laughs> All right. He's checking the game. Man, like, like you've never heard before. Right. And, um, you know, we go, we win that game. But, yeah, that, that was crazy. Um, another time we played West Virginia on New Year's Day, um, I think we got a five second count early in the game. You know, we were, we were just drubbing them and, uh, got a five second count. The place went crazy. Um, it was so loud. Um, and then I think another time was when, I don't know who we were playing, Michigan state or we were playing Ohio state and Robbie was going bananas mm. in the first half. Yeah. I remember that game. And like, you know, he just like bop. Bop, bop, bop. <laughs> and it's just, you know, after he hits, you know, five, six, and just the, 
place every time he shoots it, you can just feel like the place ready to go again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those memories, man, like I get goosebumps oh, just even yeah. talking about it. You know, it brings back so many great memories. No, I know. Every time I'm talking to, like I said, talking to you, talking to Lou, I mean, it just gave me all those. It take me back to high school because I committed so early. I probably committed, I think, your sophomore year. I think I committed my freshman year would have been like 2000, 2009, 2010, one of those years I committed. So, I mean, to come along with y'all kind of on that ride and kind of see where you came in and kind of see kind of where you left and the impact you had and kind of still see the impact you have now. I'm, like I said, I'm still a big fan behind all of it. But some, so I got questions of my own. I want to know the Chris Kramer story. Take us back. When did you start playing ball? I know you grew up in Huntington. But kind of, t- kind of tell us your background. Kind of tell us about it. Yeah, so I grew up in Huntington. Um, you know, I played football, baseball, and basketball all the way through. I mean, you know, once I got to high school, I didn't stop. I played all three sports my whole time. Um, but, you know, I would start it once my my dad would go and play in rec leagues and stuff like that. And I would be that little kid that, you know, five years old, shooting on the side. Every time there's a timeout, halftime, running out there on the court, you know, just trying to get, you know, any type of time to try to shoot. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where that love began. Obviously, something my father loved to do, um, you know, so I obviously enjoyed doing that as well. And then once I got older and really started putting in the time, it's like, you know, I really love to do this. You know, I, I like baseball. I like football, but I didn't have the love for those sports as I did for basketball. I said, you know, I'm going to keep playing, but, you know, basketball is eventually what I want to do. And, you know, that's where I, you know, put in the most time. And, you know, I'm blessed to be in the position I am, you know, now playing professionally, you know, 11 years. That's what's up. When did you start to get recruited? Was it something that started early for you? Or did you, would they Purdue coming to picture late? Kind of take us through that. Man, let me remember. It's been years. <laughs> um, you know, I was getting recruited. To be honest, I was getting recruited um, football and basketball. Um, but my football coach knew. I told him early on, I said, you know, anything comes, just shut it down. Like, you know, I, there's no way I'm going to play football. Um, So, you know, I think I started to get some smaller schools, you know, I had Ball State, um, some Mac schools and stuff like that. Um, When I was in high school, my, a guy that went to my high school, Sean Klein was a, played at IU. So my high school coach took me down there. I went on a visit. you know, I had an offer. I got an offer from, from Iowa early, but I was like, I, I can't go to Iowa. It's too far away. Um, you know, I visited Ohio State. Um, but in my AU coach, actually, his brother was uh, um, a coach at, at Ohio State at the time. So, or no, he was a coach at Ohio State. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, before he was our AU coach. And... Uh, so I went there on a visit and they're like, oh yeah, 
Greg Oden, Mike Conley, Daquan Cook. <laughs> said, yeah, I'm good, guys. Like, you know, I, I want to play. <laughs> I don't care if they're coming for one year and they're leaving. I want to play. Um, and then, you know, Purdue kind of came in the mix, you know, when Coach Payne, Coach Payne, my high school coach, were good friends. Um, and as soon as, you know, I came on a visit, um, Paul Lusk was the one that kind of recruited me the hardest. Um, had a great relationship with him. Obviously had a great relationship with Coach Payne. Once that offer came, it was a no-brainer to me. You know, I knew exactly that's where I wanted to go just based off the relationship I had with both of those coaches um, and just the way Coach Payne is. You know, if you want to play, this is what you got to do. Right. And I respected that. And, yeah. you know, it's a – if I don't play, I'm gonna know why I'm not playing. Exactly. I don't want to. I don't want somebody to lie to me. Oh, you're gonna come in. You're gonna play 30 minutes a game. You're gonna be the man, and then get on campus and be like, "Man, you lied to me." You know what I mean? Like, I didn't. I didn't want to go through that. Um, so I respected that about Coach Paint, and you know, it was the best decision I ever made. No, that's real. And talk about. I mean, because me, I feel the same. Like, wait, when someone asked me why Purdue, why so early, I was 15. And I was at the point where I had kind of been through the recruiting game a little bit, been through the rankings game a little bit. And I was like, I just want somebody that wasn't going to lie to me. So it's the same thing. I think that's kind of the common thing with paint, even to this day. I think that's why he can relate with, because I still, even though I'm not a year heir, I'm not your generation, he would always tell me that I missed my time. I should have played with y'all. So for him to be able to relate with people with your mindset of uh, the Etwans and all of that stuff, even the Carl Landry's, but then also to be able to relate with the Carsons and the Eric Hunters, I just think that I'm not going to lie to you. That just sticks. It does that, that gives you longevity. But um, talk about just when you came into Purdue, you kind of came into a transition. Paint was new. You had Carl Landry, you had David T. So what was that like going into more of a transition period were you guys had much expected from you? How was Young Paint? Was he wild? What was that like? Um, they were talking about redshirt me. Mm. And I was like, no, nah, like, that's not an option. <laughs> so what do I got to do to play? Like, <laughs> you know, and uh, like, you know, you got to be a lockdown defender. Cool. That's what, that's what, that's what y'all need. I got you. So at that time, uh, Teasy, David T. He was a great defender, um, and Coach Martin was there. They both took me under their wing. Um, you know, really get the foundation. Um, you know, things of you know getting seals run through passing stuff like that, but I never really. I the defense that I did in college because I couldn't get in foul trouble. The of, you know, learning angles on defense, you know, who you can really pressure, who you can't based on, you know, their skill set, their speed compared to me. Um, you know, all of that stuff and learning. And then guarding David Teague every day, open gym, practice, <laughs> all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, and then transitioning from David Teague to, to Etuan. Yeah. I mean, if you can guard those guys in practice, <laughs> for the anybody. most part, you can guard anybody. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, you know, those are just little things that, you know, just that really help you. And oh, obviously man. the way we play defense, um, 
in the way they called the game obviously mm-hmm. helped my physicality, the way I was able to play defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk about young paint, man. The way that we play defense and the way that he was honest about jamming the basketball and picking up and all that stuff. I t- uh, Coach Paint's gotten soft on those guys. Man. <laughs> I mean, no, nah, but, you know, it's – you gotta. Okay. We had guys to get up there and do it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant. We had Lou. You know, even Etwan would get up there and do it. You know, so we're rotating four guys picking up full court. That's crazy. We're just wearing down the other team's point guard. And, yeah. You know, it won us a lot of games. No, that's dope. No, that's um for you to be able to be a freshman come in. Understand that my role is going to be this. It's going to get me to play. And it's necessarily not putting the ball in the basket. That's tough. I don't think, I mean, for me, that took two years for me to understand. And pain was kind of, you either going to play defense or you're not going to play. And it was kind of one of those situations. And for me, it took two years. But for you to get that 18, 19 years old, it's super impressive. But I got one question. I'm hearing that. I'm hearing the questions about practice because, like I said, I'm hearing all of this as a fan because I'm visualizing it. Who's tougher to check? Etwan or David T? One-on-one. You got an ISO uh, situation. No help behind you. Etwan. Mm, why? I love, T- I love TZ. He's uh, a great player. But Etwan was so crafty. Mm, got you. And, I get you, you know, I mean, if he got you at, with any type of an angle, he got the floater, he got the long arms, it's a bucket. Yeah. And, you know, with T, you know, you could, he wasn't, he was an elite shooter, you know, mm-hmm. he could get you on certain situations, but the way that each one could both hands floater, just real crafty around the rim, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that's what separates. Oh uh, yeah, that, I still think about that. Tell State me about, game. Like you said, you came in with not a lot of expectations as a team. Then you start winning some games, the baby boilers form. But you're the leader. You're the leader of that group. One, I just want to hear about how did you kind of take the leadership of such a young group? And how did that, because you were a young guy yourself. What was that like, that leadership role, being young, taking a leadership role over younger guys? You know, it was tough because – Really, I didn't know much more than they did. You know, my first year, we had no expectations. We had to win a game to get in the NCAA tournament. Um, You know, we lost to Florida in a great game. Um, And then that next year, you know, we got one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in. Um, And, you know, I'm named the captain. I'm like, okay, so, you know, what am I supposed to, you know, I know how it works a little bit, but I don't, I don't know everything I want to know. Right. So, you know, I've just tried to, you know, help those guys in certain situations, how it's going to be in the summer. Um, you know, any of the situations that I knew like to help them with our schemes, offensively, defensively, um, really just be there for them because essentially, like I said, I didn't know a lot. Um, you know, with those guys, you didn't have to hold them accountable. You didn't have to make sure they were on time. They weren't doing anything, you know, discipline or disciplinary to, you know, make them 
you know, like you would do, make them get on the Versa climb or anything like that. <laughs> like that, that was never an issue. Right. And, uh, you know, so it was really just being there trying to help them in any way I could. Right. Um, and those guys, obviously, first of all, great people, great people and unbelievable basketball players. They picked up on everything so quick. It was just adjusting to, and I remember Rob saying like, you know, we would work out, you know, almost every day in the weight room. And like, you know, he said like his core and like his body was so sore for like a, the first month he was there. Like, you know, his body goes into shock, you know, going, doing something that you haven't done in the weight room, you know, consecutively. But I think, you know, once they got rid of that, I think everything was good. I remember, I think Smooge went through at one point, like he really hit that, that freshman wall that they talk about. And, you know, you're going through game after game after game, practice after practice. And, you know, as our season goes, the expectations are like, oh, you know, these guys are doing something, you know, we're gaining a lot of traction uh, nationally and stuff like that. And, you know, once, you know, guys hit that wall, it's, you know, we got to try to get them out of that, get them right as soon as we can, try to help them in any way we can. And, you know, once each one, you know, broke through that wall, you know, we were good to go. Nice, nice, nice. And then talk about just those times starting to win games. And now, now you got the target on your back. But you, you being a dog, you being such a defensive minded player, you don't really, you take that target and then you kind of scout to hunt. Was there anybody that rather you were going on the road or that was coming into Mackie and you circled the, you circled the scout report and you got excited for that matchup? You got excited for that game? Um, You know, there's some, obviously, you know, whenever like we played Ohio State, you know, like Evan Turner, mm-hmm. you know, cause ET was one of the best players in the country. Those are the type of guys you want to guard. That's your, that's your measuring stick. You know, personally, I thought I was one of the best defenders in the country. I want to see where, you know, let's go toe to toe and let's see who can win this battle. Um, but that one game, obviously, is Steph Curry played Davidson. That's the mm. game where it was like, you know, <laughs> I'm 100% locked in to the scouting report, watching extra film, you know, like, you know, this guy is not going to give us 50. Like, you know, we are not going to be on Sports Center with Steph Curry just destroying us. And um, so that was that, you know, of all the games, that was definitely the one that I was, you know, I took pride in all of them, but that game right, right there. Right. And no, it wasn't you. just me, it was KG, it was, uh, it was Lou. Um, but I know we all took that game a little bit more personal. Right, yeah, because I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine the scout watching the video before that game, the coaches. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, Chris, what was the hardest arena for you to go to and play in? Like, what was the – not necessarily for you to go in and play in, but who had the toughest atmosphere to be in? Um, That's a tough one. Um. I would say most of the gyms in the Big Ten are tough to go on and play. Um, in state, like going into the game, no matter what, we were down ten points. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't going to call any fouls on Wisconsin. Um, 
you know, we had to not turn the basketball over and make shots to beat Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but played, you know, at IU was always tough. Um, you know, just some of the stuff that would get chanted at me in all of these games was... I can imagine. Sometimes, like, that's, like, that's disrespectful, man. Like, but, you know, it comes with the, it comes with it, um, you know, especially, like, the role that I played, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And I still hear it to this day is like, man, I could have done that. I could have done what you did. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, you know, I'm not taking anything away from it. Maybe you could have, but like, like, bro, I, like I wasn't a bum. Like, like, come on, like, give me some credit. Like I wasn't a bum. You know what I mean? Like from where I was in high school, like, I took a completely 100%. different, a completely different role, but that role won us a bunch of games, I and I was cool with that. Me you too. know what I mean? Like, for us to win, for Purdue to win, each one Juwan and Bobby got to get as many shots as possible. Right, Chris. Right. If you take four shots, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but if you stop whoever it is you're guarding, and we win, I'm good. Exactly. No, no, and, man. You I know, the same thing. I get that a lot too. And I'm ready. I'm ready whenever and with whoever to check it up. <laughs> like, I, get, <laughs> I get that all the time. And my only answer, you want to check up right now? <laughs> we can, but no, nah, that's um to be nah, because in all seriousness, that is a tough road to be in. To be that guy, because that was me. So I can stand it from experience. To be that guy, I mean, Cause like I said, you want to get AJ the ball. You want to get, I mean, I, all of my teammates, I mean, you think about AJ, Vince, Dakota, Biggie, Isaac, it's all NBA players. So you want to get them the ball as much as possible. So, but then on the flip side, you're guarding the D'Angelo Russells. Like you're guarding mm -hmm. Steph Curry. So it's, you may not show up in the box scores, you score 20 points, but if they score 12, 15, or they take 20, 23 shots, you won the game essentially, not necessarily you, but the defensive philosophy won the game. So that's one of those tough roles to be in, but then also the other teams, the arenas, they hate you. <laughs> so you're taking a lot of that heat too. But no, I'm always, like I said, I studied, I know all this because too, I studied the role you were in because one, I've seen it coming up, but then two, once I realized I wasn't playing and Payne said, you got to play defense, there was nobody better to watch than you and Kalo. So trying to pick it up on all those different techniques. I always tell people I, I made my own defensive philosophy between you, Kalo, and then I put whatever paint was saying there in the middle. Because like my, if you really think about it, my defense wasn't that good. I just really used to lock on to my man and not let him get the ball. So, but, hey. uh, but Chris, from, I say all that to say is that I appreciate what you did for Purdue, the championship, the leadership, the paving the way, paving the way for people like me, who was able to pave away defensively for like a Dakota, who added that ability to shoot and now blossom into the player he is. So I mean, I appreciate you on that end. When you look at the team this year, and I know because I've seen you tweet about the team, I see you watch games when you can. I know you're busy. What type? What do you see, or what could this team do to kind of improve? I know they're young in the sense of when you guys were. 
You know, I've watched a few games. Um, you know, obviously it's tough. You know, I'm seven hours um, ahead. So, you know, if that game comes on the seven o'clock, I try to stay up and I might catch the first half. Um, That's dedication. But, you know, it's uh, – I think there's a few things that they can do. You know, I think defensively um, – Everyone's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to be in the right position. If you're in the right position, you put yourself in a great spot to have a successful defensive possession. If you start out of alignment or, um, you know, wrong pick and roll coverage, whatever it may be, um, you know, if not everybody's on the right page communication-wise, then that possession, even if they don't score, is a bad possession. Right. And I think, you know, especially for the big guys, um, like with Trey, Trevion talking in um, as a backline defender, you see everything. You're the eyes for everybody. Um, so just talking. Um, and then, um, like I was watching the Michigan game last time, Trevion's a big dude. Zach is huge. Like, post-wise, the big on the other team cannot get the ball that deep. They got yeah, I just think, you know, defensive-wise, from a post, you know, Trevion and Zach are too big. There has to be a line drawn in the sand. Like, you're not getting past this point, and you're not getting to your strong hand. You're going to shoot, you know, if they're right hand, you're going to shoot a left-handed hook. It's going to be a fadeaway. You're going to have to shoot a turnaround jumper, and I'm going to contest it. You know, once the ball gets so deep into the paint, and if anybody helps, it's an easy – everybody's one pass away from the middle. Um, so, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things defensively because, really, Trivion is an amazing rebounder. Amazing. Gets everything. He's like Biggie. Um, but then I think offensively, um, obviously they run so many sets. Um, but when they don't, when they run motion, I think everybody's got to cut the score. Um, and everybody's got to be ready, you know, to make a play on the catch. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is unforced turnovers, loose ball, you know, turnovers for pick sixes, easy layups. You know, like Coach Payne always told me, you know, if you're going to turn it over, make sure it goes out of bounds, kick it in the stands before – you know, you give up a pick six and they're going the other way. Um, I think they turn the basketball over too much and give give up too many easy points in transition. No, I agree with everything you said. Everything you said is everything that I've been saying all season. So, no, I mean, for you to even, like you said, you're busy. You're seven hours ahead. You play professional basketball. For you to still be invested in what's going on at Purdue shows, one, what Purdue meant to you, but just kind of just shows – but I, Purdue is just such a big family. But like I know, like I said, we appreciate all the memories and everything that, like you said, you said about now. But I'm really interested. I know a lot of people are interested. What's going on with you now? I know you've been playing professionally, like you said, 11 years. How's that been? Kind of where have you played? Where's been the most enjoyable place? Are you enjoying it? Kind of talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so after graduating, um, I went down to Indy and worked out you know, did all of those NBA workouts and things like that. Um, 
obviously went undrafted. I went to camp with the Milwaukee Bucks. I was, you know, the last guard cut from that team. Scott Skiles was the coach, brought me in. Um, when he cut me, he was like, I want to keep you, but we have 15 guaranteed contracts, so we can't. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the G League, and I'm going to try to get back, you know. And um, I played for the Mad Ants at one year. Thought I was going to get called up at one point. I didn't. Um, from the G League, I go uh, play in Puerto Rico for the playoffs over there for a few weeks. Um, come back in the summer, really motivated, thinking that I have a legit shot. Um, go to camp or go to a training camp or a workout with the Chicago Bulls, play out of my mind. Um, a few days later, the NBA goes into the lockout. So at that point, you know, talk to my agent. It's like, you know, let's go overseas. So I went to Germany. Um, I was in Würzburg, Germany for one year. Um, from Würzburg, went to Oldenburg in Germany, way up in the north. I was there for five years, um, which is kind of crazy in overseas basketball normally guys jump from team to team. You kind of chase the money a little bit, um, stay there five years. Uh, one of my teammates, Ricky Paulding, played at Mizzou, was there. I think he's there. This is year 13 on the same team. Um, you know, from, What was it about that place that made you want to be there? Um, the coach that was there mm. gave me the ball. Here you go. You know. Dope. The freedom is yours, run the team. And, you know, we went to the finals a few years. We won uh, the German Cup. Um, but, and then Ricky Paulding was, through those years, got to be one of my best friends. Um, his family took me in like I was part of their family. Um, so, you know, that was awesome. Um, so that's why I stayed and the money kept going up. Right. Um, you know, in retrospect, should I have maybe left earlier than I did? Probably. But, you know, I liked the role I was in. I played, you know, I played 35 minutes a game. Right. You know, I, I wasn't coming out unless I unless I had to. Right. Um, you know, so from there, I moved to Vilnius, Lithuania. I was on uh, Retis for two years. Um, we won the Lithuanian cup my second year before I tore my ACL actually. Um, that's when I was in all of these years, that's when I was playing like some of the best basketball. Like I was, I was playing at a high level offensively. Um, so I tear my ACL that year. The coach um, of Retis my first year goes and beats the coach of Kimke in the Euro League. He calls, offers me coming off of an ACL to go to Euro League. I'm like, this is a no brainer. You know, make the most money I've ever made coming off of an injury. Let's do it. So I go to go to Moscow, um, Russia, play there. That was like the hardest year coming off, you know. I bet battling um, to get back from an ACL, you know, feeling 
not like yourself, but trying to go out there and give everything you can in the games. Um, and then from there, this year, I'm now I'm in uh, Jerusalem, um, in Israel. So um, obviously Israel's nice. The weather is way better than all those other places I've been. You know? um, so that's a big plus. My daughter and my, my wife, they love the weather. They love the city. Um, you know, we can go to the beach in Tel Aviv. We can go to the Dead Sea, um, you know, everything kind of within an hour. Um, but, you know, my wife and I, we love um, Germany, just the way that, you know, it was pretty Americanized. Um, we could find anything we needed, you know, food-wise or whatever. So uh, we enjoyed um, Germany, but, Lithuania has a special place in our heart because that's where our daughter was born. Right. So. right. Hey, Chris, I got a question. I just want you to talk about something because you said something earlier that kind of hits to what I'm going to ask you now. You said guys that say, I can do that or how you play. But then you would hear guys say, oh, I'll just go overseas. All right, if I don't make it to the NBA, I'm just going to go overseas. Talk about how hard it is to be overseas in the last 11 years. It's professional basketball at a talent level. It's not as easy as everyone makes it to see. You know, it's not the NBA. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not, you know. In the EuroLeague, there is a little bit of that glitz and the glamour. You know, you're going to get the, the charter flights. You're going to get, you know, the big money, all that kind of stuff. But if you're not in the EuroLeague, like there's, you can still get good money and all that stuff, but all of those amenities, that stuff's not going to be there. I mean, but there's so much good that happens. I mean, I'm blessed, man. I played this game oh, professionally 11 years, been to all these different countries, seen all these different cultures, had all these amazing experiences um, that you know, had I made it to the NBA, I never would have had these. And, you know, I get experiences with my wife, with my daughter. These are experiences and memories that, you know, we can have forever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it does kind of have a negative vibe around it about going overseas. But I think it's because people are, they don't know. Right. They don't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. I think Coach Payne said that. And, uh, you know, there's to be able to play this game and, you know, there's guys overseas making millions of dollars. Like that is in the cards. If, you know, you're working, you work your way to that point, like that's there. You know, you don't have to be in the NBA. You're not going to get, you know, for your 60 million over here. But, you know, you can set yourself up for a really good life. Exactly. and still get to play the game that you love. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Right. You know, I wanted to play this game, and this was the only opportunity I had to continue to play that. Right. So, you know, I'm going to go over here and make the most of it. I'm going to try to make as the most money I can and just enjoy playing this game that's taking me, at this point, all over the world. That's unbelievable. You know, and – but I do think people have give it a negative, a negative vibe, a negative connotation because it's not right. the NBA, but there's so much good and you can build your career. You can make really good money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, essentially 
make new friends from all these different countries yeah. um, and just kind of learn about their life. And the mindset you have to have, just the, um, not even the mindset, the toughness, the toughness level you have to be to understand that, like you said, you had a dream, you want to play professional basketball, no matter if it was in your backyard, you had to go across the world to do it. That type of toughness isn't in everybody. Everybody doesn't have that. So I will say for you, because I mean, I get what you're saying 100%, but also I want to just kind of give you a little bit back and say your toughness level, your mentality to be able to be away and play at such a high level still, because some people can't go and play if their friends and family are in the crowd. So I definitely want to commend you for that, because I've always, like you see guys go play and they come back soon. But I've always looked at you in your career and been like, dang, that's no matter where, one, to me, like Kate would always say, no matter where you're playing, there's players everywhere. And then two, to be able to be away, because I went to China for about a month. <laughs> and I was just like, this ain't for me, man. <laughs> like my mom's not in the crowd. But no, I definitely respect it 100%. I got one question about just your overseas experience, because you, like you said, you can go across the world, you can meet different friends. Is anybody you've matched up with or came in contact that maybe you saw in college or someone you grew up playing against or someone you always wanted to guard? You know, I'll take it, I'll go back a little bit. Um, you know, like you said, it's not, this isn't for everybody. And that's 100% true. I remember DJ, DJ Bird came over here, he was in Germany. And he's like, bro, like this, this isn't for me. I'm like, DJ, you're in Germany, bro. You know, you have more Americans are on your team. He's like, Chris, it's just like, it's just not for me. I said, you know, I respect it. It's not for everyone. Right. Um, you know, is there um, pros to playing? Absolutely. But is there cons? Absolutely. You know what I mean? I'm away from my friends and family. Do I miss all the holidays? You know, if um, a family member passes away, there's a good chance I can't, I can't get home. You know, like the team probably isn't going to let you go unless you know, it's, you know, a close family member. Um, you know, I've missed my friend's weddings that I was supposed to be in. Like, you know, all of those things that that you miss. Yeah. You know, I can't go to Purdue games. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't get to come home. You know, like when I first came over here. People are like, so what do you do in your free time? Like, what, you play a game every week? So what do you do in between? I'm like, we have practice. What do you mean? Like, this isn't just for fun. Like, you know, like, we get paid. Like, we have to practice just like, you know, I was in college. Like, you know, it's – this is a job. Like, right. you know. Um, yeah. But what you just asked, um, I actually played against KG when I was in Germany. I played against KG. Um, I played against Tra uh, oh, Trayvon so Hughes. I played against Trayvon Hughes from Wisconsin. We just played against Sam Decker from Wisconsin. Um, Malcolm oh, Hill, actually from Illinois, is on my team. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, let me think, man. I played against so many people. That's what's up, man. Malcolm Hill. He was at Illinois. I don't know if I've. I think that was. People always ask me what game did Paint flip out. We played at Illinois, and I think I went from, like, I think Dakota was a freshman. Kendall Stevens was a sophomore, but he was kind of going through some things at the time. And I went from, like, guarding Malcolm Hill to Kendrick Nunn, and then they had another guard on the team at that time. 
and it was like, I mean, it was impossible to guard three of them. And Malcolm Hill would have his way. Like he had that like big body, he put you on the, like mid post, and it was money every time. Yeah, that was a game. Malcolm Hill, he always gave up like that. They had three guards: Malcolm Hill, Kendrick Nunn. There was one more guard I forget. So like, they had a trio, and it was nice. Like Abrams or something, maybe. Yeah, Tracy Abrams was the point guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. But nah, Chris, I'm a like I said before. Like I've always been a huge fan. This is a kind of a conversation I've always wanted to have, rather been on the podcast and now. I've always kind of wanted to know kind of where you come from, kind of get to know a little bit more about you. But like you said, I've always been curious about that overseas journey because it's not as easy. But like you said, it's players there. But it's doable if that's what you want to do with your life. Because what you've done is super impressive. And I hope you continue to have success playing but for all Purdue fans, what you did for Purdue, what you did for kids like me in high school, I, mean, I get excited every time I talk about it. That Michigan game, moments like that, you diving on the floor of the game where you was like crawling and stuff. <laughs> all that stuff, man, we love it. We appreciate it. And we just thank you for more, man. I don't think, I don't think they are where they are. And I mean, this is me speaking. I don't think Paint is where he is in his coaching career without what you did and kind of what you brought to the program. And I think you were one of the guys, I mean, everybody played hard before I get it, but it was a new era shifting just with the technology, with Twitter, with social media, and you kind of kept that grit and you really kind of kept that what it means to play hard and playing hard is still cool. And even though the big 10 kind of shifted, like you were saying, they guard different now. You kind of allow Purdue to keep that same mentality, to play hard, the physicality, and not just kind of shovel right into it. And then guys after me just go right into it too. But uh, thank you, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. No, I appreciate it. Um, you know, like <laughs> looking back, like, you know, when you tweeted um, some questions for me or whatever, in my news feed, I woke up this morning, it was blowing up. And somebody like, put the video of me like swimming on the floor against Tennessee. In my head now, I'm like, what in the hell were you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> why did you think that was a good idea? It worked <laughs> out, yes, but, but why did, did you do that? Like, the shot from your knees, like, all of that stuff. On man. that, like, in the summer, like, you know, They'll tweet, you know, Boiler, uh, the Purdue men's basketball will like tweet like the game from whatever year when I played is on like, um, you know, Big Ten. And I'll watch it and I'll be like, man, you are bad. Like, I'll be like, or I'll be wide open. And I'll be like, shoot it. Didn't even look at the rim. It's like, where's he talking? Where's Rob? Let's move it. You know, oh, I'm just like, man. man. I'm the same way. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's so funny, man. I watch the game, but like, yo, like, I get it. You suck. I said that yeah. same thing to myself all the time. <laughs> and then I have a good one. I find a good one on YouTube. I can't wait to show my fiance. Come look at this one. <laughs> 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 No, man, I always know, man, because, like, the work you put in, the like, no one really knows kind of the work you put in 
what went on behind the scenes to turn you into the player you are. And I can say it to I'm blue in the face, man. Thank you for putting the work, putting the work in. Thank you for laying the groundwork. I mean, I always kind of leave it up to when guys, when when paint tells stories about guys that were there before, and he says, "Be like this guy," or he says, "Such and such wouldn't do this," or "Such and such didn't do this when he was here." That's always a big statement to me. And when paint makes those statements, those guys are legends to me. And I mean, man, you fall right into that. So. We wish you the best. I appreciate you. We look forward to following you. Make sure everybody click the link below. Subscribe, Boiler Over Rayfield Davis, the Field of 68 Podcast Network, Chris Kramer, uh, one of my favorite players, um, the best defensive player in Purdue history all time. I give it to him. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I oh, mean, I appreciate it. Thank you.